I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the fangirl radio show i'm your host jessica dwyer and joining me shortly will be my co-hostess with the mostest miss rachel t moore this is a special episode as we go on our month-long celebration of all things horror and halloween um this week we have two very special guests um for interviews mr Derek mears from sleepy hollow and friday the 13th fame and also mr reeve carney from penny dreadful who plays dorian gray the prince of decadence and uh, we are very excited to have both of them on um Derek is currently starring in the second season of Sleepy Hollow as Moloch and as a few other creatures in the series. Um, Reeve Carney, as you know, is in uh, Penny Dreadful, and that is actually filming currently for the second season right now in Ireland. And he was kind enough to join us during filming of the show. Uh, to give us a great interview and some insight into Dorian Gray. Um, those interviews will be coming up shortly. Um, before we get into that, though, we have a quick Week in Geek to run through because there were some wonderful things that happened this week in the land of geek. Um, the first of which was the new Doctor Who that aired on Saturday. Flatline was amazing. It was a good Who episode. Um, Typically, uh, during Doctor Who, you'll have at least one episode where the Doctor isn't really present as much. And um, But this one, he was there a lot for a uh, sort of non-Doctor episode. And this um, episode really cemented the fact that this season is following Clara as she kind of takes a turn to the Doctor side, if you will. And um, I like this episode a lot because it really showed her how the doctor has to decide on no-win situations. I mean, you will maybe succeed in beating the bad guy, but you're always going to have a cost. And that's why in previous incarnations, such as Christopher Eccleston and as well as David Tennant, the doctor was very, very happy when no one died when there was no one dying that day, um, when he could save everyone. And uh, it's it's just a really good episode to, to kind of prove that point to her, that you can't always win um, without some loss. And his final line to her about, yeah, you did, you were a great doctor, but goodness had nothing to do with it, was super. And we also got a very... Um, dark ending in terms of Missy showing up and telling Clara as she watched her on what looked like an iPad she picked well 
So you wonder what that means. Missy is still very, very mysterious. Um, I've now got a new theory for who she might be, which is the frozen, um, the frozen uh, governess from way back in the Snowmen episode. And uh, I mean, she's already killed her once. So uh, she had joined with the Great Intelligence at that time. The Doctor collected up the bits of her and kept them in the TARDIS. So who knows what might have happened to her. Um, but the big, big thing to take away from this episode that I really enjoyed, not the least of which because <laughs> the Doctor, um, was Peter Capaldi finally got his big, bad Doctor speech where he gets to tell everyone, this planet is protected. I am the Doctor. And boy, he delivered it with gusto. And I loved his buildup, which was, I tried to talk to you. I tried to get you to uh, relate to us. And I think you know exactly what you're doing. And he named them the Boneless. And I think the, the, the bad guys in this episode, the Boneless, were some of the coolest coolest uh characters of original monsters in a while they were very very neat so um flatline was super it's very sad to think though we've only got i think like three episodes left of this season of doctor who and uh it's going to be hard and then you have the christmas special so it's going to be interesting to see where this leads we've got um I believe in the force of the night is what it's called. I could be wrong on that title coming up on Saturday of this upcoming Saturday. And then we'll get to see previews for the two part finale, which may or may not have Charles dance in it. I don't know. Um, that was the rumor. So we'll see. And don't forget the last episode of the season is called death in heaven. Um, speaking of death, Walking Dead episode two happened, and like I said, I believe last week, um, I didn't get a screener of this to watch, which meant something big was going to happen, and it turned out that big thing is quite possibly the big bad for this season, at least half of it, before they go on hiatus in February, I think it is, um, but uh, the cannibals which we it's not a big surprise that they are cannibals they're cannibals um this season uh we saw that the terminites um had not died as everyone hoped in that giant fire and blaze of glory that rick left for them but um we uh see that they are very much alive at least three of them and they are not very happy with the fact that their place was destroyed by rick and company um so rick and the gang find father gabriel which is a big deal for fans of the comic book because he's one of the big um i actually think he's still alive in the comics which is kind of amazing um but as I said, Gareth and the gang, there's at least two or three of the Terminites still left, have been watching them, and um, yeah, bad things go down when Gabriel takes the gang, at least some of the gang, to a food bank, and we see Bob get pulled under. Bob's very quiet and very limpy at that point afterward, and walks away from Sasha and the gang and is crying, kind of given that he's been bit. Now, um, he gets kidnapped, of course, by Gabriel and the gang, and he wakes up to find his leg is being munched on quite noisily by the Terminites, who are no, you know, no doubt about it now, they're cannibals. 
um, you know, fans of the comic book uh, and everyone, like including myself, were probably at that point screaming, as I was, Tainted Mate! Which is a big deal because this is now the Hunter's um, storyline from the comic. That's where they're going for now. And that's very exciting because that's a really neat, dark, as obvious from the leg-eating part of the comic. And this was a part that actually took place with Dale, which um, uh, couldn't happen now because, of course, you know, Dale and Andrea both have left. So we can expect Bob to be telling them, you know, we all are infected. You're eating tainted meat anyway. I was bit, blah, blah, blah. And some harsh justice a-coming from Sheriff Rick to Gabriel, who or uh, and from Gabriel and everybody there to Gareth and uh, the Terminites, because yeah, they're not they're not going to like them very much. And most likely Sasha is going to have to do what Andrea did with Dale with Bob. But it's going to be a f- really cool storyline to see how this plays out. They are going to go very dark and not the least of which thing is happening is Carol and Daryl have gone off to find Beth and the mysterious car that took her away. Um, they are chasing after. So big things going down in Walking Dead and this was a big turning point. So the next episode is called Four Walls and a Roof and following that will be an episode called Slab Town which is interesting. Uh, so yeah, be aware Walking Dead is getting really, really good. Um, with that, let's get on to our interviews this episode. As I said, Derek Mears and Reeve Carney so let's go to Derek Mears right now. So everybody, I would like to welcome back to Fangirl Radio the awesome and talented Mr. Derek Mears. I'm hold, I'm going to hold for applause or booze. <laughs> Okay. Hi. Uh, hi, ladies. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be back on. We are very happy to have you back. And this is part of our celebration for the entire month of October. We've been doing Halloween-y things, and that includes the wonderful Sleepy Hollow, which is a huge hit. And no thanks, you know, much thanks to you there with that, sir, because you basically play every bad guy. <laughs> I play a lot of bad guys. I, I'm I'm very lucky that they like me a lot and they keep inviting me back. And I keep uh, I don't question them because I'm afraid if I do, then they're like, oh, wait, you're right. You shouldn't be here. So it's uh, it's been wonderful. <laughs> So, um, so I want to, I, I have to talk about Sleepy Hollow a lot this episode because I, I just love this show. I was really thrilled that it, it got picked up and was such a huge hit because I thought for sure if one of my, it was my favorite show, one of my favorite shows last year. And I'm like, oh, it's on Fox. Oh, it's, oh, oh. But it got, it was huge. It was wonderfully huge. And it even had replays on Fridays for the sleepy yeah. heads. <laughs> and um, so how thrilled are you that you've got this major hit on your hands right now with this show? Oh. Man, I'm excited to guest star there. They're so kind on the show. Uh, I came out on the first season. They offered me the uh, the Gollum role for a guest star. And uh, uh, when I was done with that, they're like, hey, can you stay an extra day for a meeting? We want to pitch uh, something to you. I'm like, okay. I'm like, look, we, we, we know you're supposed to go into like a Danny Trejo film with your normal face. We know you bounce between your normal face and be uh, you know makeup whatever but you, you probably don't want to do it but our, our main bad guy moloch like we and they they offered me the moloch role and uh uh and i'm like where and like i'm like i'm doing a great interview i'm gonna it's like a creaky door i'm like yeah <laughs> uh 
Um, but no, they uh, they offered me the role, and uh, I was super excited about it because I really liked the people on the show. And I'm like, man, if I'm gonna have a home for a little while, like I would like it to be the show because everyone works so hard. And I always tell people, if you're a fan of Tom Meissen, like be a be, be a huge fan of that guy. That guy is so down to earth and loving and beyond talented. I, I without even seeing him act, I, he is a talented, a sweetheart of a human being. That's great to know. I love I love hearing that. And you're a sweetheart. I I think it's funny that you're playing such like you're playing some really scary bad guys. <laughs> like how much how long are you in the chair for Moloch? To uh, get Moloch, makeup? Wow, what's Moloch? Moloch's uh about what three and a half, four hours or something like that, I think. Yeah. Uh yeah, with a uh, uh uh, Corey Castellano, that's like this, the, the, his turnaround on these monsters is amazing. Like he'll design something, and like two weeks later, it's there, and it's feature quality makeups. Like him and Mark Neiman just knock this thing out of the park, and like it's so much fun because they keep asking me back for other characters. Like I went back for second season, I still do Moloch, and I played the Kindred uh, uh, for episode two, and I might be playing some other ones coming up, which is nice. Uh... Okay, okay, so I have to ask this, because this is one question I really wanted to make sure I ask you this this interview. So you've got um, various characters that you play on the show. Obviously, you've done three with Moloch, the Gollum, and the Kindred. How do you teach yourself to move differently for each? Because you don't have a face so much, although with the Kindred, we see more of your skull. Um, how do you teach yourself to move differently for each of these characters? How does that come into play well, it's just acting choices really because it's funny uh, like it's it makes me it, it drives me kind of crazy in a sense also i kind of have a chip in my shoulder when people go oh you're a monster guy or you're mask you're, you're a mask actor I'm like what no i'm a, <laughs> I'm a professional <laughs> actor or someone will see me in a film going hey you got some dialogue really great job and i'm like what? <laughs> wow you kidding me like what what so uh uh no it, it's it, it's just choices because i uh a lot of these roles, if they don't have dialogue or they do, like Moloch has dialogue, which is fantastic. But um, some of the characters who you you just make choices as you would like as a normal actor. And even when I do roles with my normal face, you, know, you make different like body choices of how they would move or, you know, how they think, how they react. And as long as you commit, you know, to the scene sincerely, you let that just kind of transfer through the makeup. And uh, I, I was really flattering because they were like at one point going, oh, we get it. Like you're a professional actor, but you're kind of like a like a modern Lon Chaney. Uh, and like you can change your voice and change your body. And I'm like, uh, thank you. I don't That's... see myself, but thank you. Well, um, I think that probably your background in um, improv helps you be really more sensitive than a lot of people who are just like, yeah, I'm the mask guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> You have a more awareness of your craft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Because the improv part helps a lot because, uh, uh, like, when we're doing improv and we're performing here in L.A., uh, uh, we, we, I do different, like, short-form shows and also long-form uh, improvs with, with narrative stories. And you have a few seconds to make your character. And you, all the kind of, like, character process happens, like, super-duper fast and whatever. It's kind of like writing and pen, like, whatever you think of and a choice you make. You'll, yep, that's what it's going to be for the next hour and a half. <laughs> so it's secret. Yeah. So with Moloch, you actually, you, you have lines, but they're n not in English. Correct. Yeah, so it's, how's it's, that? <laughs> we record them. I'm there when I'm doing scenes, like with John Noble, for example. Like, I'm actually doing it in English. Uh, 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 and, and so you hit the, the emotional points, like I said before, you have to trust the energy uh, transfers through the mask and whatnot. And uh, it also gives John something to, to play off when we're doing our dialogue back and forth. Um, 
but uh, they, they, it's not actually me for the uh, uh, the final. I think they because it was already established before I took on the character oh, right. that they have someone else doing the. Uh, I want to say gibberish, but I'm going to get in trouble because it's Latin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not gibberish. Uh, it's just me being uneducated. So um, there's some pretty intense stuff that went down last night on the show with you and John Noble. And can you can you talk about working through one of those scenes because it was pretty intense. You were in his face and just throwing him around and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm honestly trying. I haven't watched last night's episode and they all kind of blur together going, wait, what aired last night? What, uh, that what? was the, the weeping oh, woman. Oh the, oh, the weeping lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was the one where like, he was bowed before me and I, I smack him across the, uh, yeah. the face. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like him in this <laughs> <laughs> He's not a nice man. I think at my house there was some yelling of "Get him, Mercy!" <laughs> like, what happens every time you slap somebody on the show? And the craziest thing also is John is such a sweetheart in real life. Like it, it's everybody that I know, like in, in, as, as actors who play these horrible, horrible people, are in real life are the nicest guys in the world. It, it, I don't know if it's they're not threatened or what, but um, but yeah, John, what a what a sweetheart. I remember at one point the, yeah, when we were doing the Gollum episode, uh. uh uh, John and uh, uh, and Tom were teasing me. Uh, we did uh, that real emotional scene where I was dying and and uh, uh, crying and whatnot, and it moved everybody on on set at the time. And we came back over from doing the scene, and John's like asking Tom, like, so um, how did the scene go? And this is my I'm doing horrible impressions, by the way. And, and Tom, like, twelve, and it's like, uh, how how are you? And uh, Tom goes, outstanding. And he's like. <laughs> How was, and he, with his eyebrows, kind of looks at me like, how was Dirk? And he goes, <laughs> well, adequate. And I'm like, you guys are asses. You total jerks. <laughs> they both like started laughing and giggling like total jerks. <laughs> so how much, how much, um, because uh, I, I, I don't know how much time you get to spend but with Orlando Jones. How much time do you have with this guy on set at all? Because he has the most ridiculous tumblr feed in in god's creation <laughs> and it's awesome he actually is saying he writes fanfic for what? sleepy hollow really? online yeah and he dared everybody to find it uh that's hilarious i believe it or not uh i'm on the second season of the show as guest star i have not was... met orlando yet we, oh, we no. work the same days and so our paths have like not crossed uh, I saw him once at the uh, like an after party once, and I'm like, "Oh, I need to meet." And then I then he got swept away, and I'm like, oh, "I never met Orlando." Yeah, uh, uh, Katya and Orlando, I have not. Well, actually, technically, I've met Katya on a different film. We worked together. We did a film called Arena, uh, but Katya yeah. and Orlando, I have not talked to at all. Oh man, yeah, he he like feeds everybody. Like he's like they call him Trollando because he just trolls all the fans <laughs> with all kinds of crazy. So he's got some free time in between scenes, is what you're saying. Apparently, yes, he does. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you about, just because I follow you on Facebook, which everyone should if they don't already. True story. Uh, is where did you get a photo with Jeffrey Combs from? Where did that come from? <laughs> uh, that no, made me happy. <laughs> That's so funny. No, Jeffrey's a, a friend. Um, uh, it's it's so much fun. Like in between these like uh, uh, these TV and film jobs, I get offered from time to time to go and do uh, uh, like meet and greets and autograph signings. And for me, being a fanboy myself, I'm like, let me get this straight. In between TV and film jobs, you offer me to fly around the world and hang out with people who love the same thing that I do and have a party for the weekend. 
what is the downside of that? <laughs> the other plus side is some of these other actors that I'm a, a fan of, you know, it's like, like, what's that, Lance Hendrickson? You want to go to dinner and tell me stories about what really happened on Aliens? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it together. Yeah, there, there's one point, like a, a couple uh, – I'm going on a tangent, of course. A couple years back, I was in a limousine with uh, – I sound so douchey. <laughs> in a limousine? <laughs> heard of it? Um, it's like a fancy Uber. No, uh, 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 I was in a limousine with Robert England, and uh, with him and Lance Hendrickson, I was just going through this horrible divorce, and they were giving me relationship advice. Oh, God. And like a little squid kid, I'm like, man, if you would have told eight-year-old Derek that this would happen, I would have lost my mind and not have believed you. But uh, <laughs> to answer your question, let me, let me come back from let me GPS for my tangent and come back to what we were talking about. Uh, no, uh, uh, Jeff and I were just doing a, a, a sign in Massachusetts for the uh, Rock and Shock show, which is half horror, half heavy metal. And um, we've been friends for a long time. And we were uh, in a limousine <laughs> and uh, <laughs> picture together because uh, uh, I'm friends with his daughter from doing improv or whatever. And we were uh, uh, messaging her and I go, hey, let's make it creepy. And so I had my <laughs> really like disgustingly creepy. And I'm like, man, that's kind of fun. I'm going to tweet that. So I put that on social media and goofed around. That is awesome. I, I it's great when I, I I've never had Jeffrey on the show, but I've interviewed him like three times, I think, and I, I can always get him to cuss up a storm on interviews and get him to laugh. Yeah, he is so he is such a, a funny, funny he guy. He is so hilarious, so we, funny. We went to dinner and just went back and forth and just made fun of so many things, and it was just. <laughs> a, a, if a you really want to get him pissed, just talk about the Kardashians. <laughs> 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 For the future. Oh my God! Do you really want to make the Reanimator mad, though? I don't know. Yes, I don't know that you want to troll that. It's hot. It's like that goes with like a deep rage, please. <laughs> it makes me happy that he gets angry. Yes, oh, sorry. <laughs> this is a creepy fangirl moment. Pull it's it a creepy fangirl moment. I am so sorry. Oh, no, no. I can't fiction about that. There oh. you go. Oh, there you go. I'm sure there is. Actually, it's kind of sad. Oh. So, go back to the fan fiction thing with, with Orlando. Does he write it about himself? Because that's just kind of like like masturbating in text. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's your job. You have to find out for us and report. No, I just not want to find out. You kidding? No. No, he he actually put it out there on Tumblr that yeah. I have written fan fiction. I did it under a pseudonym. You have to figure out who and which one is mine. Ha, ha, ha. That's what I should do is like introduce myself that way. That will be the icebreaker. Go knock on his trailer door and like, hey, man, uh, Derek, I, uh, I play a couple different characters. Hey, I read some of your fan fiction about Moloch. <laughs> <laughs> so you going to do this? Oh, God. <laughs> God, no. I heard, I heard about your I heard about your Moloch and Irving fiction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it turns out he's, he's it is Moloch Irving fiction, but it's all fluff. It's all like <laughs> they have a tender moment eating right. apples in the orchard. That would be amazing. It's all all the the puns, the nasty. I would love to take a midnight ride with your headless horseman. You know it. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, creepy. So. Do I, do I have a career still? I was just wondering when this uh, when this airs. I, I, I may have just ended it. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Um, about uh, not about your career being over. <laughs> <Okay>. No. Wow. 
no, but I was going to ask you about um, with community coming back. Is there any chance that we'll get some more kick puncher? Well, no, man. Go, go tweet Harmon and ask him. He's. Uh, I went and visited uh, uh, the lot the other day, and the guys were at work, and uh, I really don't know. It'd be fun to do. People really like that character, and it's fun seeing all the fan art and seeing people cosplay as Kick Puncher, which is a, a hoot to me. <laughs> um, but I know that would be super duper fun to do. So yeah, you go up, get a petition together. There you go, Rachel. There's, there's your job. I'm logging into Tumblr now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to see you message that Derek asked you to say this. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> So you said that there may be um, in the future episodes of the show uh, on Sleepy Hollow that you'll be coming back as maybe another character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Can you give us any clues? Andrew technically didn't die. Uh, he left at the end at two. And then my, I can't really say I don't want to give any spoilers because uh, I don't want to ruin what it might be and all the coolness that's going to happen. Like, I'm also, I'm the type of guy, like, if I want to see a movie or something, like, I will not watch the trailer if I know I'm going to see it. And, like, I'm so bummed out when people, like, post their Star Wars spoilers with pictures. Like, I don't oh, want to see your spoilers. doing that everywhere with Star Wars stuff. Right Why don't you now? just wait to see what happens, jackass? Well, I was going to say, I really, really, really liked the Kindred. I thought it was so cool that he was, like, a Frankenstein-esque creature that Ben freaking Franklin made. Yeah, yeah. And so freaking. I was calling him the Frankenstein monster. I thought that was... <laughs> well, that, dude, I did the same thing. I'm such an idiot, by the way. I, I, I read the script, and I'm like, <laughs> and I went to set, I'm like, I'm thinking, you know, well, I do get some comedy. I'm like, well, I, you know, what? I, uh, how come it doesn't say the Frankenstein's monster? <laughs> and no one, like, laughed. They're kind of looking at me. I'm like, I thought it was, like, the wittiest thing in the world. <laughs> I thought it was... <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> I didn't see that there was an actual rewrite where that's added in the actual episode. Like one of the characters mentions that. Like I think Nicole uh, or Abby mentions that. I'm like, oh. So then I, I switched to going like I wouldn't I wouldn't answer anybody uh, or address and unless I was addressed as um, uh, the horseless headsman. <laughs> and then of course later on they added a horse to the scene. I'm like God dang it, really? No, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> What was your picture as the kindred I posted when I I announced that we were going to have you on tonight? And I was like, he just needs a hug. And, <laughs> and everybody was like, yeah, give him a hug. <laughs> like, that's awesome. So um, I've asked this of you before, but I, I know that you were, you said before the last time you were on the show that your dream role would be to be the Kurgan. Amazing. Is that still the case? Because I actually started a petition for that. Oh, uh, thank you. You're so nice. That's, that's so <laughs> and we got it's some got, signatures. It's gotten a ridiculous amount of signatures. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I guess they just decided not to do the reboot or something. I don't know what happened. Oh, that's what I, I thought. Like, God, Derek, we got like five signatures <laughs> from Portugal, one from Norway. Like it's all random. Places. And one's like... trying to sell us some plan from Africa. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I'm such a nerd, man. There's so many things. Like, it's hard also to answer questions because there's so many different things that like, you want to do or things change. If you're like, you know, what's your favorite band or what's your favorite blah, blah, blah. And it always changes. But, I mean, yeah, there's so much stuff I would love to do. Like, uh, like, like most people also. Like, the, the Kurgan would be amazing. Like, I, I told a, a story when I was younger, old enough to know better, a buddy of mine, uh, when I, I think I was 12, I was getting comic books at a comic book store and we were waiting for my mom to pick us up outside 
uh, and he was like, uh, I've known the guy since I was five years old. And he was like, so Derek, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, well, I, and he goes, oh, well, me? I want to own my own corporation. I want to be a businessman. And now he works for Microsoft. Uh, uh, doesn't own it, of course, but he, he's a huge, huge corporation. And uh, he goes, okay, your turn. What do you want to be? And I go, well, I'd like to be a Jedi. And he's like, you stupid. They don't exist. They're not a real job. I'm like, you don't know. They might have them in the future. <laughs> Being the idiot that I was, I thought I'd be so awesome uh, to be my age now and to call him up out of nowhere and go, oh, hey, man. Hey, how's the, that business stuff going? Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Jedi. Suck it. Click, boo. <laughs> it's so amazing. But uh, there's so many different things. I don't know. I'm, I'm a, I'm a you got to big... be careful what you say around Jess because tomorrow there'll be a petition for you to be like Star Wars. <laughs> I'll do it. It'll happen. I will totally do that. I will do it. You guys have a petition. What is going on? That's how you get stuff done, apparently. I don't know. We're <laughs> so. just going to harass people into like hiring you for everything we want you to be. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you about this because I know we talked about your improv stuff um, on the last uh, show and it was awesome to hear you talk about your comedy because no one, it, it seems like a lot of people forget that you do that and yeah. and it's it's phenomenal. So I saw that you are working on this group called The Resistance with yes. a bunch of guys and it looks great and there's one dude with an eye patch, which I don't know if it's <laughs> or not. And and if it is, my apologies. No, no, no. He was screwing around for a shot. And I'm like, right. <laughs> we, we just did this new photo, like professional photo shoot. And some of the guys uh, uh, were screwing around for shots. So I'm like, all right, well, that's what that's what you did. That's what you're going to get. You're going to wear an eye. Oh, really? I got, no, you you wore the eye patch. And that's the shot that worked out. So you're now going to wear an eye patch. <laughs> you can make you pay for that. So. We, um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so give us some details on what that is about and uh, tell us when we can see you in it again. Uh, the resistance is rocking and rolling. Uh, what the resistance is, is we improvise uh, a full narrative uh, action and adventure movie, but we'll do genres like either horror or like film noir, uh, cop buddy. Uh, it, it just varies at that night, whatever we kind of feel like. But the... Uh, we make it up in front of a live audience. We have an improvised keyboardist. We have an improvised sound effects guy, improvised lights. Uh, but what makes the show unique is we have a bunch of different stunt pads and kind of uh, toys on stage. Uh, we had custom pads built like giant Lego blocks for a visual. Oh so build these scenes and we'll do completely improvised fights. Uh, and we do all the like the effects, like if a bomb blows up, you know, I grab somebody and flip them in the air. <clears throat> and, um, <laughs> But the the, uh, the the thing is, like, we tell stories. So we, we have, like, people are like, wait a second, that was completely improvised? That seems like it was written. And we're like, nope, made it up. We'll go with the audience. We'll sometimes grab the audience and have them interact, depending on the story. But nothing is pre-planned. We, we make it up on the spot. And, like, people are like, wait, you mentioned something in the first, like, 10 minutes. Then you tied it in an hour later. And we're like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. We, we're all kind of, like, amazed that it all works out. But we've got a lot of hype on the show and, like, different industry professionals have come out and go like this needs to be like a tv show so we're actually putting pitches together for a tv show and it, it's just it's it's so oh my fun, gosh. It's so fulfilling as an audience to it, it, people who don't improvise the best way to describe it is like we're all writing a story in pen and you can't erase what anyone writes down once someone writes it down that's the law and it's a fact so but it's not just uh uh we're not worried about the the, the comedy always comes but the, the art for us, what we like is like telling like deep, meaningful stories that, that, that you can, uh, 
have realistic characters. So there's scenes like what I, you know, I'll sit there and just like bawl and cry if, if that's what the character is. And the audience will like be dead silent and then the comedy will come later and hit that much harder. But the guys I get to work with are so freaking talented and we do it every, uh, uh, every Sunday night at 9 p.m. at a place called Comedy Sports here in Los Angeles. And a lot of times we'll hang out, uh, we invite people to come hang out afterwards with us. And the, the, the reason that we call it the resistance is that our, our life philosophy is like no one's better than anybody else. We all have skills in different areas. Just do what you love and try to move forward. And everyone's so worried about uh, being an adult, about being prettier, or making money, or, or you know, being popular and having the responsibilities of being an adult. But we're here to liberate people. We're, we're rising against adulthood going, forget all about, forget about all that. So many people have forgotten that it's okay to play and being a kid. Like, oh, I'm, a, I'm an adult. I, I, I can't do that. Like, dude, you can pretend the ground is lava, you know, for the next hour. Like, let us tell you a story. We have no idea what's going to happen. Come join us. It's not about us. It's about all of us for the, in the audience and on stage. And it just, it, it, it's so uh, creatively fulfilling to me. That's amazing. So now on the on this show, do you when when you're on stage, are people like shouting out things to you, like, or how do you pick what you go with on that? We'll do a thing in the very beginning where we have a, that night. We'll we have like a kind of a pie chart. We'll sit around right before the show. Also, we don't practice, which is hilarious. People are like, <laughs> what's what's your format? What what do you do? Like, we don't really have a format. We just kind of go. But we do, uh, we'll do in the beginning of the show. We'll have a pie chart with uh, like different genres. And uh, sometimes we'll make up our own genres or whatever. And uh, uh, someone takes like a Nerf gun. We'll, we'll shoot somebody in the beginning, and they shoot a Nerf gun, and whatever they hit is what we're going to do for the night. And so if they hit like a uh, kids adventure movie, like okay, so we're going to do a kids adventure movie, like uh, like Goonies or Super Eight or Monster Squad. Now movies like that or or other movies that fit into that category. What are the tropes that you enjoy most about those movies? And someone's like, oh, like when you find out like the, uh, the, one of the monsters has nards or <laughs> you know, the, the kids, uh, there's a certain trope to repeat over and over again. Like, oh, and the kids, you know, uh, have like their older sister who doesn't believe whatever's going on <laughs> uh, and then, you know, catches the kid and becomes prisoner. Or So different tropes uh, throughout. And we'll try to add those tropes in and create like something totally different. So we don't follow any patterns. And the other twist is, whatever genre we do that night or whatever that hits on the board, we'll take it off the board for months. So we're constantly trying to, to challenge ourselves. That is amazing. I yeah, love it. I love it. That either needs to be a TV show or you need to do an online weekly <laughs> thing of it so we can just sit there and drool and watch it. Cause I would, I would eat that up. I, oh, I love so it. Much. Uh, thank you so much. The, the other thing is like we also with our with our bodies like we build scenes, which is crazy. Like I don't know, stop me if I go too long. But like one night, for example, we did this uh, cop buddy movie, and uh, this, is, this is an example of the show. This will this will totally help you kind of understand the show. People are watching, like listening, going, like, "How do you what what's he talking about?" Like one night, uh, one of the tropes we got. Oh, it was kind of like, like a like a Die Hard movie or whatever, or, or like no, it was a cop buddy. And they're like, "Oh, the part where the villain always escapes from the helicopter on the roof." Okay, cool. And so at one point, like towards the third act of the, of the show, uh, they're like, oh, no, the villain's escaping on the roof. And the guy walks on stage, and there happened to be an eight-foot ladder there, which is not normally there. Uh, that, but now it's there all the time. Uh, and so the, guy, the villain walks on stage. Th another guy grabs the eight-foot ladder, pops it open in the middle of the stage. The villain steps up two of the rungs, pretends, mimes, buckling himself in, putting a fake helmet on, 
hitting switches, grabbing the throttle, and starts to take off. Another guy runs the top of the ladder with a towel to do the top propeller. Oh, Two my. other guys come on, grab the ladder, and start to slide it across stage. The hero runs on, stops, looks down at the ground, and, and can see this at a distance, pretending like the helicopter's left the side of the building. The heroine comes on behind the hero and was like, it's too far. You'll never be able to make it. And he's like, I've got to try. He backs up and he races across. He starts to sprint across the, the stage and then he starts to go in slow motion. I come on as he pretends to jump. I press him, physically press him over my head and he swims in the air like towards the, uh, the helicopter, grabs on the helicopter, pretends to dislocate his shoulder and starts to fight the villain. And people were like, oh, like, you've done that before. Like, that's something you've done in the show. They're like, no, no, that we just all are on the same group mind. And we just built that visual together. And they're like, really? Like, that? I go, that was the first time we've ever done anything like that. Like, that was, or, or we just make it up on the spot. And it's, uh, the teamwork is just, really, I feel blessed to be a part of the team. They're phenomenal guys. Best hive brain ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is Very, phenomenal. So. You're still doing that every Sunday night? Yeah, every Sunday night when I'm in town uh, at 9 p.m. The show continues if, if I'm there or not. But, uh, yeah, there's six of us who do the show. And um, if people want to look, we have, like, a Facebook page, like Resistance Comedy. Um, and we, we, we tweet and post about when we're doing shows and put fun pictures up each week. Awesome. So, Derek, I think we've ran out of time. Um, but no, I the season's not over. I'm going to keep going. I'm talking uh... about we haven't even talked about like the I don't know if it's confirmed or not the Friday the Thirteenth movie coming up. Oh, I, I have I don't know much about that. All I know is what the internet knows is that it's supposed to come out like in March, I think, of next year. Um, but uh, I hear that they're still working on the script and they can't offer any roles until the script's done. So I don't know much about that. Um, but the other thing, oh, real, real quickly, and you guys are, are, are I know we're running out of time. Uh, if you get a chance, not because I'm a part of it. Uh, but being that it's super awesome, and I feel it's our generation's uh, Evil Dead on, or sorry, Evil or Army of Darkness on steroids times two. If you guys get a chance, check out Dead Snow two. Oh yes, yes, yes. Thank you it's, for for bringing that up. I was going to ask what we could see you in lately, and that is an awesome film. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, uh, yeah. We've reviewed it on Fangirl, and oh, it, cool. yeah. yeah. I have I have a super secret source that got to see it really early because he's in the UK. Ooh, fancy pants. Look at it, you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't ask what she had to do for it. <laughs> hey, hey. You don't, you don't say things like that, Rachel. That, I'm sorry. You don't tell that in front of guests. That's not okay <laughs> at all. Anyone, that, by the way, is anyone like, like the interview supposed to be over? They're like, have, a, have the guests like, no, we're going to keep on going. <laughs> Like, okay. that we, we stopped recording and we had, <laughs> we had told them that we stopped recording because we'd ended like we'd actually been like hey, thanks it was a great night with fangirl radio and done the sign off and everything and then we kept talking and then we kept talking and like the things people say we could have been recording for like they don't know us they don't yeah like, we could play it somebody, offered, somebody was trying to get me to come to a convention and he was like I'll let you eat sushi off my naked chest. And I'm oh, like, that was James Duvall. That was James Duvall. I wasn't going to say his name. God. <laughs> Sorry, James. Like, James, James Duvall does not him. care. I'm going to tease him galore. I know James and James. <laughs> <laughs> you went fun. <laughs> 
<laughs> James doesn't care. Don't James will let anybody up. eat whatever they want off of him, I think. I, I really, really, he's a doll baby. I love James. I love Jimmy. So great. But yeah, he did say that. But people say, I'll say and I don't think he really realized the show was over either. So I don't feel that bad. Because... I, I don't think he cares. <laughs> I think that, that's the point. I, I don't think James would probably care. I don't think James would care. Yeah, he is a sweetheart. I love that guy. He's a doll baby. We've had many a lost weekend kind of thing happen. Yeah. Oh, all right. I don't. This is why I don't go to those conventions with you guys. Because you, you, James Duvall, and uh, Lost Weekends, yeah. Yeah, Michael Rooker. All I can't, I can't keep up with all you guys. Yeah, I think Rachel might die. I think it would probably kill her. Some of these conventions. That you get out of control sometimes. It is I just super- become like. Dana Carvey's church lady. <laughs> she totally would, too, where she'd be like, bring me the luggage carrier because I got to get her to the room. <laughs> Dump me on there. James Duvall, leave him. He's okay where he's at. <laughs> so let's do the official wrap-up. <laughs> so, Derek, um, what can we see you in upcoming? What would you like to pimp? This is your moment to pimp whatever oh you got. This force does know, too, on you guys. Uh, um, like I said, <laughs> Not because I'm, but as, as a horror fan, like check out Dead Snow 2, man. That it, it, it's doing so well. Um, I've been working on a ton of stuff lately. Uh, more episodes of Comedy Bang Bang. I just did a little small part in Key and Peel. Um, gosh, what am I doing? I, a, a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Sleepy Hollow, also more and more episodes of Sleepy Hollow, and uh, I forget. I'm a horrible, horrible uh, interviewee. Well, we'll post stuff up. We will find links and add to um, our webpage, fangirlmag.com, to tie into this for sure. But yes, Dead Snow 2 is excellent, and um, it is, I believe, on video demand right now. Yeah, Um, it's in theaters and on video right now, and it'll be out on DVD in December or so. Yeah, and it is hilarious, and the hand comes back. The zombie... Yes. Oh, it's so good. So, yes, Derek, thank you so much. It is always a joy to have you on here. You are a pleasure. Uh, ladies, I super appreciate the invite. So thank you. It's been a hoot. It feels so strange, like talking about yourself for so long. <laughs> <laughs> and then dragging poor Jimmy Duvall. And- <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you got to cut that. <laughs> no, I am totally not cutting crap about that every time. <laughs> no, I'm never. I'm not cutting that. That is staying in there. Remember. <laughs> he won't remember. <laughs> I'll just text him later on. I'll be like, so, uh, hey, are you going to this upcoming show? Cool. Hey, what are the odds you'll, uh, you'll eat sushi off of my chest? <laughs> You do it off of each other. I don't want. I want to be a gentleman. I'm gonna <laughs> ways. He might take you up. Oh, he would. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be real great. Why don't we get a? Why don't we get a camera or something? See, People this is. To- he totally knows him because that's a spot on. That's, that's pretty. Good <laughs> well, thank you again, Derek, so much for being on, and everybody. Oh. Keep watching Sleepy Hollow. Check out Dead Snow Two, and thank you again, Derek Mears. You're the man. So um, cool. I want to thank you for ta- taking the time to talk to me, and I hope you can hear me. I I, I understand about ear infections, so I hope you're <laughs> I hope you're okay. Oh yeah, I think I hear you, all right? Thanks. Yeah, I think I'm just so specific about it. I think that, that my uh, hardships with it wouldn't be noticed by most people, but it's because of like the line of work that I'm in on the music side of things. Oh yeah, totally. That, you know, I hear like a like a two or three decibel shift in one ear is like a big deal to me, <laughs> even though it's probably not that big of a deal. But <laughs> oh, yeah, that's totally. So I'm doing all right. So. <laughs> Great. So, Dorian Gray is an icon of Gothic literature, classic lit. 
But what's interesting about him is he's not as popularized as Dracula and Frankenstein in terms of how many um, representations you can find on film and TV. How does it feel to have a chance to take a character like that and truly make him your own? Because he's he is fairly iconic, and, and, and but he really hasn't been represented in film like the other characters have been. Yeah, I, I think because of, like what you said, I think because of that, there is a little bit more freedom in one sense. And it's nice to have, uh, you know, that people know about him to a degree is helpful because it makes people excited to want to watch. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's, it gives you a bit of freedom, which is always nice. Nice. So, and, and kind of feeding into that, too, he's 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 got a very complicated character in him. Um, uh, what did you want to make sure you came across in your performance from what is in the books to what you wanted to bring to the role? I think, you know, more than anything else, I think uh, in contrast to some of his behavior, I wanted to make him likable. Um, I think that's, that's the main thing that I, I thought I wanted to consciously bring to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if that's coming across, but that's definitely the goal. You know, you want to you make a, yeah, any, anyone who can trying to do. Nice. So, um, were you surprised at all when you took this on? How? Because a lot of people kind of see horror characters in a horror series like this as kind of a throwaway type of thing. Like, ah, oh, it's just going to be splatter and and just you know what's. But no one takes it really seriously. But you know, this show is very serious and adult in terms of what it's conveying and what these characters are going through. Were you kind of surprised by that at all? I wasn't surprised. Uh, no, I mean, I've actually, I've always been drawn to the horror genre, and I love watching horror films. But uh, with this, uh, this project in particular, knowing that John Logan was at the helm and then reading the scripts made it clear from the onset that it wasn't going to be something like that. It would be, in, in my opinion, much more interesting. Although I love a good, you know, slasher. <laughs> but I think um, this does have a bit more... Uh, layers to it. Totally. So, um, what do you think about the idea given at the end of season one about the choice that they they give to Eva Green's character and why would you want to be normal? Would you want to give this up? I mean, how do you... I mean, that's one of those things. It's one of those complex, sort of deeply uh, embedded in this show questions, which is this makes you unique as a person. How how do you would you want to give that up if 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 you were her? What do you think about that? Oh, I I think it's great. I mean, I think uh, that sort of feeling is also embedded into our psyches as humans to a degree. I think so. I think it, it's a very relatable concept. Um, just the, I think everyone at some point in their lives feels disenfranchised to a degree, and or you know hopefully you do I guess because I think things would be boring if you always felt like you belonged, you know everywhere you went. So I think that that's part of what uh, I think it's a it's an interesting angle. I, I and I, I hope that it connects to a lot of people. I think it probably does. 
I, I thought it was interesting because no one... Yeah, I wouldn't want to be normal. That's certainly true in the case. I definitely don't, <laughs> you know, I, sort of in the same way that, like, per, perfection, that, you know, in my opinion, the things that I find, if I ever would call something perfect, it would usually have a lot of things that a lot of other people would consider to be imperfections. So I, I sort of tend to like things that are falling apart because I think... Uh, that's the way life is, but that's what makes it beautiful at the same time. Well, and that's kind of uh, interesting in terms of Dorian's character because he's he's considered the you know beautiful perfection of youth, and he's bored. He's he's bored with yeah, he, yeah. He's always looking for something different, and he found one in her, I think, and you know they have a connection there. But it's interesting that you you say that the perfection is is. Is boring because that's what's happened with him now. Is he's doesn't can't find any joy in life. Yeah, I hadn't actually. You know, it's true. I hadn't actually made that conscious connection until you just said it. But it, but that is true. I think, and I, I think I'd certainly be <laughs> be bored if I if I had you know some of the things that he had going on. So yeah, I. <laughs> Except for kissing Josh Hartnett, I, kissing Josh Hartnett is not boring. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No, actually, I didn't mean. I didn't mean that. I just meant like if if everything were easy. Oh, totally. The, the way it appears to be for Dorian on the outside, I think it would it would naturally create that sort of turmoil. Kind of uh, speaking. But, you know, yeah. Well, kind of speaking into that, um, they they've made a point, and I really like this in the show that they don't show the portrait, but. In, in, right. in your mind, what do you think the portrait would look like? Well, for me, I tend to think of, if you're looking at something, you know, walking around in your daily life, and it's not so much, you know, if you're looking at a tree or, or you smell something, those things in themselves are not, I mean, they're interesting, but I think the thing that's more interesting is where they take you, what, what sensation that creates within you. So I think for me, when I'm looking at the portrait, because, you know, there were a few times when I was looking at something, there wasn't really anything there most of the time I was looking, but I had to, you know, create something in my mind, which oftentimes we have to do anyway mm -hmm. as actors. Um, but, uh, yeah, I I, uh, I guess I picture what... Uh, the feelings that, that you know, the, just things that would create some sort of struggle and, and uh, you know, it, it, like I was saying before with the smell, if you smell a certain thing, it can, it, sometimes uh, just smelling something can make you cry. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's, uh, different things take you different places and you try, try to kind of capture uh, those feelings. And I think with, with, with him, it's a complex uh, mixture of things because it's not all... I don't know. It's it's, it's not all uh, horror necessarily. Looking at at, at your sins, uh, you know, painted on a canvas. It's kind of complicated. <laughs> I think there's maybe some fascination there as well. Well, it, and I always thought it it should show things that he's lost thanks to this. You know what he's given. Right. Up. I see. Just yeah. I guess when you're talking physically, yeah. I, I, I don't really know. I, I hadn't really thought about specific. I, I more thought of, yeah, I thought, well, that's a, good, that's a good way to put it. I mean, I thought about the uh, the things that it would stir within him, uh, maybe those sense, sense of longing or loss 
of, of innocence or whatever. Um, so you've made him, like, appearance-wise, well, since it's, this is Dorian Gray we're talking about here, and appearance is important, you've made him appear very much a Victorian rock star, which I, I really like, and I really love that coat that you wear, <laughs> the red coat. Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I love that, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things. Yeah, I mean... How much input did you I guess I showed up the auditions... Well, I showed up to the auditions to dress, you know, the way I normally dress, and they liked it, so <laughs> they wanted to sort of build upon that. But, um, I, yeah, I uh, I did think a little bit about, you know, I sort of altered, I, I try to do that when I can. If I'm really into, you know, a role, I'm excited, and I love, and I'm really excited about potentially, uh, you know, if I really want to get it, then um, I'll maybe dress up a little bit differently. So, I don't know, I, I tried to, it was still my clothes, but... I went for that vibe a little bit, and I guess they liked it. So hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah, we've we've dubbed that the red coat of lust. That's that's the name of the coat. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's super. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. So, um, we kind of into that too. I and I I love your singing. I I love your music. Are you going to be singing on the show? Would you I like to? I don't know. To? Um. Uh. I don't know. I, I, I sort of. I mean, I, I I spent a long time doing musical theater, and I love that. I think if it if it were appropriate, then I would I would totally be into it. But I just don't quite see how it would fit in at this point. But like, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, come on. I know he plays piano in the novel, but um, I don't know about singing. I if if they put it in there, I know there would be a good dramatic reason to put it in there. So I'd I'd do it for sure. <laughs> but we'll see. Awesome. So, um, I guess of, I never pushed for that sort of thing, yeah. Well, I, I would love to hear see it on the show. A lot of shows have worked those in, um, musical segments. Just, just yeah. so I could see him playing in a way. Him without being cheesy, though, I think. Right. I think that's why. That's the big thing. Um, you know, that's why I would never push for something. But if they wrote it in, I know that John would write it in a really creative, interesting way. So, so who knows? I don't know if that's part of his plan, though. <laughs> well, uh, kind of t- speaking into that, what sort of storyline would you love to be done, have done with this character? What would be a dream for you to have Dorian go through or have happen on the show? Oh boy! You can pick I don't anything. Know. It's all on you. What if, What would you love to have him do? I'm not sure. What if I say something and then what if, like, it was something that they were thinking and then they can't do it because I said it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I've, I've had some ideas, but um, what would I love to do? Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, I guess just keep expanding. I mean, it, it's really interesting for me because uh, it, it, with each episode, it takes me sort of further outside of my comfort zone, but I love that because that's the whole reason we want to act anyway, I think, as artists. So it uh, I guess just more of that. I'd like more things to take me out of my comfort zone. Nice. And I, this show is the one definitely to do that, I think, because it just doesn't seem to have yeah. any boundaries. I I know with the death of Proteus in the first season, that was the biggest shock I think anybody could see coming. I mean, I didn't, I had no idea. I know. I was bummed out by that. Oh, God, people <laughs> were crying. Oh, no. 
Yeah. <laughs> People were falling in. Um, my editor at Harhound, he loved that character, and I had seen one episode ahead of him, so I knew what was happening. And I had to be quiet, yeah. and I'm like, oh, this is this is not going to go well. <laughs> and, uh, and he told yeah, me... Yeah, it's definitely... It was depressing. Oh, my, his, wife was, his wife actually broke down in tears watching the show. <laughs> I can understand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, I, I know I, I'm about to run out of time with you, but I wanted to... I have one more question, and this is a, a good one to, to ask yeah. you. Who's the real monster of the show? In your mind, I think they all are. You think they're all monsters, or do you think maybe? um, I think so. And what makes them? I think they're sort of all part monster, part angel, just like all of us humans. (laughs) That's what I think. That's a good answer. So everyone's actually a monster in in one way. That's a good. I think. Yeah, I like. I think we have to yeah, just to try to at least my you know in my own personal life I try to balance that the best way I can. I mean, it's sort of, I sometimes think about it sort of with a, in a musical sense of the frequency spectrum of like human hearing, let's say from 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. Let's say that 20 kilohertz is all the angelic stuff and 20 hertz is all the demonic stuff. You kind of want to have a good balance in there so that it sounds, uh, I don't know, you can decide whoever you want to be really, I think, because I think it's all in there. So I think we do have a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, largely at who we decide to become that's i think that's one of the issues that this show deals with so well and it makes it really interesting to watch at least from my perspective nice well reed i want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me i know it's you're on a different time zone and you're busy filming the second season which i'm I can't no, wait. no, I can't no wait. <laughs> and so thank you so much again and uh, uh enjoy Creating Dorian Gray in your image. I, I, I absolutely love him. Thank, thanks. He is a great character.